Well, I, on uh, Sukkot, it is uh, certainly a joyous uh, time. You could, might be able to see it. We have our lulav and etrog here, and we'll be talking about that. And uh, so I thought first we would read a little bit about Sukkot. Uh, even though it is the Torah portion uh, tomorrow morning, but uh, it's okay. We don't. We only read about it once a year, so if we read about it two times uh, in each service, once in each service, it'll be okay. So uh, in Leviticus chapter twenty-three, it says uh, actually in verse uh, thirty-four, "Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month is the feast of booths for seven days to the Lord." So Sukkot, that's what it is, the Feast of Booths, Sukkot. And as you can tell, it's five days after Yom Kippur, right? On the 15th day of the month. The first day is a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work of any kind. For seven days you, present, you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It is an assembly you should denote do no laborious work. What's interesting about that is, is that it says the holiday is seven days long, right? Seven days. But then it says on the eighth day, uh, you shall uh, have a holy convocation. And it never tells us why we have a holy day on the eighth day. Uh, it is called, in fact, the name of that day is different from Sukkot. It's actually technically a different holiday. It's called Shmini Atzeret, Shmini Atzeret. And what that means is like the eighth holy convocation, <laughs> the, eighth, the eighth event or day or holy day. And, uh, and so it's our assembly. Uh, it's really very, very interesting. So uh, our ancestors uh, came up, of course, with all kinds of reasons for this eighth day right? Uh, the day of new beginnings, right? After seven, completion, eight, kind of like the uh, bris on the eighth day, you know, that kind of thing. Beginnings, covenantal entry, that, that, that kind of thing. The beginning of a new year. Uh, uh, but uh, my favorite is uh, the one that uh, says uh, that God enjoys meeting with his people so much that at the end of the seven days, uh, of Sukkot, he, he tacks on an extra one because he enjoys meeting with his people so much. You know, it's, it's just like when, uh, when Janet and I visit uh, our daughter Heather in North Carolina uh, and uh, our visit is coming to a close and I look uh, on the uh, calendar and I see, well, you know, I don't have any appointments uh, on that next day. Why don't we stay an extra day? You know, uh, and so that's kind of the idea that uh, the rabbis have given for Shmini Atzeres. And you know what? That's our story and we're sticking with it. So uh, there you go on the eighth, uh, on the eighth day. Uh, and then, interestingly enough, in verses 37 and 38, it kind of ends. You, you, you know what I mean? When it says, these are the appointed times of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations. And then it describes them. And it says, besides those of the Sabbath of the Lord, and besides your gifts, and besides all your votive and free will offerings, which you give to the Lord. That could be the end of the chapter, really. But then it's like, oh, wait a minute. There's more to say about Sukkot, 
right? In verse 39, on exactly the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the crops of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord for seven days with a rest on the first day and a rest on the eighth day. Now, this now we read a little bit more. Basically, what you have in verses 34, 35, and 36 is just that after Yom Kippur, five days later, there's this joyous festival. It doesn't tell us why. It doesn't really say much about it. But then in verse 39 uh, to 44, we have some more information. First, we learn uh, that it is a, a harvest festival, a fall harvest festival, right? Uh, and so we know it's in the seventh month. It's in the fall. And it says, when you've gathered in the crops of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord. Now, that little phrase, feast of the Lord, is important because in other places in the Tanakh, you don't read the word Sukkot, but you read the feast of the Lord. And we need to remember that that is Sukkot. Okay. In fact, Sukkot is the most often referenced holiday in the Bible. Isn't that something? More than Passover, certainly more than Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So Sukkot is a, uh, a real key holiday in the Bible, and it is a holiday of great celebration, and it is a holiday of ingathering. Uh, it is a holiday of ingathering. In fact, the rabbis, the ancient sages, sages teach us that it's, you might call it a feast of conclusion, a feast of conclusion. And one of the uh, conclusions one of the times of conclusion is, is the agricultural year in that you have uh, seed planting, harvest, uh, and then enjoying the fruits of uh, the labor, the fruits of the harvest. And enjoying the fruits of the harvest is indeed uh, what, uh, uh, in one of the reasons we celebrate uh, Sukkot, because God gave the land of Israel to the Jewish people. And the fruit of the land, the produce, the, the benefit of the land we celebrate in the, uh, in the fall. Now, in the ancient world, just like today, uh, people, groups, cultures had fall harvest celebrations, right? Uh, and uh, we have them here. You know, when I moved to Ohio, I really had not experienced too much of, let's just call it small town America. Uh, and... Uh, uh, and I really came to appreciate fall harvests, homecoming, right? Homecoming, isn't that what uh, many communities call it? It's a joyous holiday. Well, that is nothing new in the ancient world. The Mesopotamians did it, the Egyptians did it. It was, uh, it was a known uh, thing to have a fall harvest festival. The Israelite version is Sukkot, uh, and that's really important. Also, and it's beyond uh, the time that we have to talk about it, but if you look up all the places in the Bible, there's a couple of interesting ones in the book of Judges, by the way, that talk about the feast or the feast of the Lord. And it has something to do with wine vats and grapes. And so uh, that has led many people to conclude that one of the primary uh, uh, ways of enjoying Sukkot was the, the fruit of the grape. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so that's kind of interesting, right? Okay.
Now in verse 40, we have more information about this holiday. Now on the first day, you shall take for yourselves the foliage of beautiful trees. Now, some uh, translations uh, say fruit uh, of, uh, of beautiful trees, okay? Uh, uh, palm branches, boughs of leafy trees and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Now, like everything else in the Jewish world, there's a difference of opinion about uh, what you do with these things. Isn't it interesting? The text itself does not say make a lulav, for example. It doesn't say, it doesn't say shake it up and down in uh, all different directions. It doesn't say that. It just says, you shall take for yourself. So the Sadducees, they believed that you were to use it for the sukkah, like uh, for the roof of the sukkah or building the sukkah in some way. The Pharisees believe that you hold it in your hand and that uh, you use it to worship God uh, on this holiday. Uh, and we see that, that that's why we do that to this day. That is, and I have it right here. Here is the uh, lulav and the etrog made of a palm, myrtle, and willow. And we hold them in our hands together and we shake them and we'll be doing that in just uh, a little a little while. And so we learn that. Uh, and then we read, uh, you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days, a, perpetu a, perpetual, uh, a, a, a perpetual statute. Okay, and then it says, you shall live in booths for seven days. And, uh, and then we get the reason why, so that your generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. So Moses declared to the sons of Israel the appointed times of the Lord. Now this verse 43 is also very interesting. So that your generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. Now it doesn't say that anywhere else that I had them live in booths uh, when I brought them uh, out of Egypt. And uh, in the first century, it is uh, kind of interesting. First and second century, how this was understood. There's a very famous sage. If you grew up going to the synagogue or you know anything about the, the uh, early rabbis, the early rabbinic period, you know who Rabbi Akiva uh, was. He, he was very, very, very influential. Uh, in fact, today, if you go to Tiberias, Israel, right there by the Sea of Galilee, uh, you will see his tomb. And there are always people at his tomb, like all the time. And they're, it's, you know, they're worshiping at his tomb. You know, it is uh, very interesting to uh, observe. Uh, and, uh, and he believed that uh, the, the reason that this verse is there is because uh, uh, of the cloud, the cloud of glory, and that the cloud was indeed a spiritual sukkah protecting the people. And the physical manifestation of the spiritual sukkah protecting the people was the people dwelling in like a lean-to, dwelling in a, dwelling in a, 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 a sukkah. And so it's very interesting. In the, the uh, uh, Kabbalistic literature, uh, it's called the, the shelter or the sukkah of faith. Isn't that interesting? The sukkah of faith. 
Uh, and, uh, and so that's uh, rather interesting. So certainly in uh, Jewish tradition, it goes far beyond just simply people dwelling in shelters in the wilderness, uh, but it has everything to do with the protection of God, the spiritual protection of God that is manifested in this um, physical uh, uh, protection. Uh, and so uh, that uh, becomes, uh, you know, the meaning of the holiday. Now we read about this holiday in, again, a number of different places. And it is kind of uh, telling in Deuteronomy chapter 16, there we have, uh, uh, again, we read about these pilgrimage feasts. The pilgrimage feasts are the three uh, times a year when the Jewish people had to come to Jerusalem. And that would be around Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then Shavuot, the late spring uh, harvest, uh, and then uh, Sukkot. And all of the Jewish, the biblical anyway, the ones in the Torah, the holidays in the Torah, are all surrounding these three times of year of uh, pilgrimage uh, to, uh, to Jerusalem. In Deuteronomy chapter uh, 16, we read here in verse 13, you shall celebrate Sukkot, the Feast of Booths, seven days after you have gathered in from your threshing floor, and there it is, and your wine vat. Isn't that interesting? Yes, indeed it is. And you shall rejoice in your feast, and you, sh and, you and your son and your daughter and your male and female servants and the Levite and the stranger and the orphan and the widow who are in your towns. Everybody needs to rejoice on this holiday. Seven days you shall celebrate a feast to the Lord. See, we don't read these kinds of words about any other holiday. Celebrate a feast to the Lord, you know, uh, in the place that, which the Lord chooses. Because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands so that you shall be altogether joyful. So it's clear that on Sukkot, unlike any other holiday, we rejoice in the fruit of uh, the labor. It's interesting, the, generally speaking, in uh, the way in the tradition and how Sukkot is given to us today is that, uh, again, it's a feast of conclusion of uh, the first part is seed planting, the second is harvest, and the third is the preparation of the harvest and gathering in the fruit and rejoicing in the produce and the wine uh, of, uh, you know, of, uh, of, of the land. Uh, and so then finally it says, three times in the year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of Weeks, Feast of Booths. Uh, and they shall not appear empty-handed. Uh, so we read about it there. Now we read about it elsewhere. At the end of Deuteronomy, we read about Sukkot. You can see how prevalent this holiday is. Uh, in chapter 31 of uh, Deuteronomy, in verse 10, there it says, And then Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, at the time of year of the remission of debt, at the Feast of Booths, at Sukkot, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God, at the place which he will choose, 
you shall read this law in front of all Israel in their hearing. Wow. So it was at Sukkot every seven years at the end of the, you know, after this, after the planting and after the harvest and in the enjoyment of the, of the land that uh, there would be a covenant renewal every seven years and the Torah would be read and, uh, you know, and people would rejoice all of it at Sukkot. But that's, it's not only there. I'm not even going to read all of the times when it just simply mentioned about the feast here and there, but some significant uh, uh, times uh, is uh, in uh, 1 Kings, in 1 Kings chapter 8, when uh, Solomon is going to dedicate uh, the temple. When is it dedicated? It is dedicated on Sukkot. Uh, in chapter 8, we read, all right, in verse uh, 2, and all the men of Israel assembled themselves to King Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethanim, which is in the seventh month. Okay, the feast in the seventh month is uh, is Sukkot. Now you're probably wondering what is Ethanim? Ethanim. Well, first I'm going to tell you you need to take uh, the uh, course, the MSI course, Prophets One, where we talk about Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings and you will understand it. But I will just simply say, if, you're, uh, if you do Bible study, you will notice that in 1 Kings, the names of the month are actually Phoenician names. <laughs> and uh, we might say, why are they Phoenician names? Ethanim, Ziv is another one, Bull is another one. Where do they come from? Well, the Phoenicians, boy, this is gonna really leave you uh, thinking. The Phoenicians had a lot to do with building the temple. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. And, uh, and so the, the Phoenician names uh, are, uh, are, are, are used. Okay. And uh, so don't let that throw you. Uh, but the point is, is that they, it was at the feast in the seventh month. Uh, if you go all the way to the end of the chapter, uh, in verse 65, so Solomon observed the feast at that time, and all Israel with him, a great assembly from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt before the Lord our God for seven days and seven more days, even 14 days. They celebrated it twice over. They were so happy. And then it says on verse 66, on Shemini Atzeret, on the eighth day, he sent the people away and they blessed the king. They went to their tents joyful and glad of heart, for all the goodness of the Lord had shown to David and his servant and to Israel, uh, his, uh, his uh, people. Uh, and so uh, at the dedication of the temple, it was on Sukkot. And it's interesting. There's a lot written about exactly when the temple was completed and that they had to wait. They had to wait to get to Sukkot in order to dedicate it. So that was evidently very important to Solomon. So this holiday played a very important role. Now, uh, because of time, I'm not going to say it, but in, in Ezra chapter 3 and in Nehemiah chapter 8, we read about Sukkot. When the returnees came, when they came back after the Babylonian captivity, they made sure to celebrate, uh, to celebrate uh, 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 Sukkot. Uh, very interesting.
Uh, and uh, of course, when we come to the book of Zechariah, which is one of the very late books in the Tanakh after the Babylonian captivity, we learn that Sukkot has already a uh, something beyond remembering the past and celebrating the land and the goodness of the land. Uh, but it has an end time or you know eschatological meaning. Uh, and uh, in Zechariah chapter 12, we read, uh, for 14, we read uh, these words. And it will come about if any who are left of all the nations after the, after the return of the Lord and great judgments, uh, then it will come about that of any who are left of the nations that went against Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate Sukkot. To celebrate, why not Passover? You'd think the lamb and all that, but no, uh, a Sukkot, because it is a celebration of ingathering. Not only the ingathering of uh, the produce of the land, but here we see the ingathering of, uh, you know, of people. Uh, because one of the great meanings of Sukkot in all of this, and probably the reason that uh, it, um, uh, and probably the reason why every seven years they would read the law on Sukkot, and why Solomon dedicated the temple on Sukkot, and why Ezra and Nehemiah uh, made sure that they celebrated Sukkot. And by the way, also, when uh, the temple is uh, cleansed, you know, at Hanukkah, the Hanukkah story, the real reason it's eight days long is because they wanted to celebrate it like Sukkot. Why did they, why was Sukkot uh, uh, so important like this? May I suggest because it represented God's desire to dwell with his people. God's desire to dwell with his people. Uh, and uh, that has not escaped, again, even in the, the traditional liturgy and meaning of the holiday, that again, it's a feast of conclusion, not only of the harvesting, you know, and gathering in the produce, but also it is the conclusion of the high holy day season. You know, we as Messianic Jews, we did not invent this, uh, all of these uh, meanings and traditions. In fact, uh, in, my, uh, in my Sukkot Machzor, for Sukkot, uh, in the introduction, it says all these things, you know, so it's kind of interesting. At the end of the High Holy Day season, we come from Rosh Hashanah, as I said at the very beginning of our service. We go from, uh, uh, you know, Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur to Sukkot. And uh, the rabbis teach that uh, in order to be able to really rejoice, to have the capacity to rejoice on Sukkot, you have to be spiritually prepared. You have to return, you have to repent and, and receive the reconciliation with God. And when we, are when we are reconciled to God, then we can rejoice, you know? Then uh, we can, uh, then we can rejoice. And uh, uh, historically, what the rabbis tell us, that the uh, conclusion, the feast of conclusion of, in, in Sukkot, again, is not only agriculture and not only in our spirituality, 
but also historically that uh, the thought is, is that, of course, you know, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Passover, which is really the beginning of the, the, the true beginning of the year, which is also the, the, the early harvest or of spring planting, you know, that kind of thing, uh, is akin to Israel coming out of Egypt, that we were redeemed. That was the beginning. That was like the birth, you know? Uh, and then uh, there is the uh, uh, coming to Mount Sinai, where we were commissioned as a people to be a holy nation, right? A kingdom of priests, right? Uh, and then we begin the wilderness wanderings, and the wilderness wanderings begin with the, the Shekhinah, you know, the, uh, the presence of God leading the people. Uh, and so the rabbis uh, uh, tell us that Sukkot is represented, that's why Sukkot is represented by the cloud, that first there is birth coming out of Egypt, then there is commissioning at Sinai, and then there is the journey, you know? Uh, and we are enveloped in the presence of God for the journey. The, and so we're celebrating, as it were, uh, the presence of God. Uh, and uh, certainly, as a Messianic uh, uh, community, uh, we certainly can relate to uh, Yeshua. Now, tomorrow morning, we're going to talk about Sukkot and the Brit Hadashah. We will, we're going to talk about Sukkot and the Brit Hadashah, Sukkot and the New Covenant tomorrow morning. But what we want to say right now is, is that when it comes to like this feast of conclusion, you know, that when you, th and you think about birth, uh, and then you think about commission, uh, or you think about seed planting, or you think about harvest, these three seasons concluding with uh, 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 Sukkot, uh, that uh, in the, what we refer to as the first coming of Messiah, uh, which is sometimes called the finished work of the Messiah, okay? That you see that he made atonement for us. Right? We have his death, we have his resurrection, and then we have the pouring out of the, of the Ruach HaKodesh. And so even though it is, yes, it is uh, in a uh, Shavuot, it was Shavuot, no doubt. And, and you know how we talk about Shavuot when it comes to Acts chapter 2 and the pouring out of the Ruach? Another way, just another way of looking at it, of looking at the very same thing, is to apply Sukkot, even though it's out of season, you know, is uh, to apply uh, Sukkot. And that in the pouring out of the Ruach, we have the covering of God. We have the ever presence of God uh, in our midst. And so, you know, uh, we could say that we celebrate Sukkot all the time. We celebrate the covering of God, the indwelling of the Lord into our lives via the, the Ruach all the time. Uh, and, and uh, you know, and, and so we have that, the presence of, uh, you know, the, the presence of God. And then, of course, uh, the day is going to come when the tabernacle of God will be among men when the Lord returns. And that will truly be the whole world will be Sukkot. Uh, you know, uh, in that uh, in that day, the whole world will be Sukkot. Uh, you know, in that day. But today, 
uh, we have Sukkot in the fact that the Lord dwells in us. Now, uh, finally, we need to understand uh, something else, and that is about, you know, uh, the sukkah itself, when we build the sukkah, right? We know that uh, it is not a permanent structure, right? It's supposed to be a temporary structure, and it's supposed to mean for us, uh, a be for us a reminder, a reminder that I, you, you know, that ultimately we have to, we have to trust in God and we can't trust all the accoutrements uh, that we have in our lives, our homes and, and uh, our incomes and, and all the things that we have. Uh, but when we dwell in the sukkah, we might say, why do we live in a sukkah for seven days? It's kind of a weird thing to do, right? To build this little shack in your backyard. If you live in a nice residential neighborhood, you build a shack in your backyard and you eat in it and you live in it, why would you want to do something like that? Because it reminds us of how for thousands of years our people have had to trust in the sukkah of God, had to trust in the covering of God and not in what we see, but rather in what we don't see. The things that we see are temporal, but the things that we don't see are eternal. And that has been the hope of Israel, uh, indeed, for thousands of years. That's why we read the book of Ecclesiastes at Sukkot, because when the book of Ecclesiastes is about looking at everything under the sun and seeing that it's transient, you know, meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. And what has meaning is uh, enjoying the gifts of God, doing good in this life. And then at the end, he says, fear God, because he's the judge of all. Right. And so ultimately, our trust is in God uh, and not in what we not in what we see. And my word, we are living in a day today. This year is the perfect. Everybody has the perfect examples and illustrations for Sukkot uh, uh, this year, because our world has been turned upside down in many different ways. Right. Normal life has been upended. Hence, you're at home. And, you're, and the room is empty except for Janet and Chris and Marcy, right? That's not normal, right? You're supposed to be here, right? And we think about it all the time. Uh, certainly, we're, we're wearing masks, right? Uh, social distancing. Whoever used that phrase until six months ago? Never, right? All right. Uh, and then all the other things going on in our society and our culture, all the upheavals going on. It is a time of great anxiety for everybody in one way or another. And it comes out in all kinds of ways. But you see, what has happened is all of the, um, all of the uh, things that we've been trusting in have been removed you know, or many of them. And, uh, and for many of us, this is really an opportunity for us to say, wow, you know, I really do trust in uh, the Lord. And our life is like living in the sukkah right now, kind of a flimsy structure where we have to trust God. And, uh, and I will say that gives us all the more reason to really, this holy day season of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur and Sukkot, really is testing the metal of us. Can we really say Zman Simchatenu? 
It's a time of our rejoicing. You know, are we really trusting in God, even though uh, we may be uneasy about other things? It really is a telling uh, time for us. That kind of life has to be cultivated. Cultivated by just building a sukkah doesn't mean you're automatically rejoicing, right? Uh, and that leads me to say this. You know, this is a season, th this season, this whole number of months, and right now for sure, uh, is a time where we really are recognizing that, you know, the quality of our spiritual life is dependent on my taking initiative in my walk with God. I think that for many of us, that what we do is we kind of put the cart before the horse and that being together in the service, that for many of us, that is what causes us to be, we think, that is what makes us spiritual, you know? And without that, in other words, we're trusting in all of us being together in order to have a walk with the Lord. And that is not the case. The truth is, is that all of us need to take the initiative of walking with the Lord, of being in the Word of God, of being in prayer. And for now, of, uh, you know, uh, navigating uh, the technology, right? Uh, and all of that. Uh, because you see, Zman Simchatenu, living in the sukkah, means it's a very, it's a very tenuous time, but I'm rejoicing in the Lord because of it, in it. I'm rejoicing in the Lord in it. Uh, if we have to, if we say, I can't do that, then we have to ask ourselves, what, what is the nature of my spirituality? And so, you know, what's going to happen is I trust that we are all growing in our walk with God during this, during this time of living in the quote unquote sukkah, you know, of, uh, of, of not knowing exactly uh, what, what the future holds. And it's causing us to grow in our walk with the Lord so that when we come together, the, the joy of the fellowship, the joy of being in each other's company is the fruit of our spirituality, is the fruit of it. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and so I hope that we, we're really doing Sukkot this year, whether you built a Sukkot or not. You're doing Sukkot by recognizing the times in which we live and being able to sleep in it and to be able to eat in it and to be able to dwell in it in the times, you know, uh, in, in, in which we live. And it's, it's uh, uh, and I think that is a major message uh, uh, for us on Sukkot that, you know, we are living in uh, spiritually in the beginning of the end, the, in, you know, how we like to say Israel's uh, future today. So we're living in that conclusion time of, uh, uh, you know, of the gathering in of the harvest. Uh, and isn't it a marvelous thing that here we are at Beth Messiah, Jew and Gentile together in Messiah, under the kingship of Messiah, celebrating the Feast of Booths, uh, celebrating uh, uh, Sukkot. And I just want to close with one uh, one other uh, a verse of scripture in Isaiah. Well, actually, uh, two, two, two passages of scripture, and uh, they're both in a book of Isaiah. Uh, one is, I think you'll find very interesting in the fourth chapter 
In the fourth chapter, when we talk about the future, now we're living in the presence of the future, remember that. But in uh, the fourth and the fifth verses, or I'm sorry, the fifth and the sixth verses of Isaiah chapter four, it said, then the Lord will create over the whole area of Mount Zion and over her assemblies, a cloud by day, even smoke, and the brightness of a flaming fire by night, for over all the glory will be a canopy. By the way, you know what that word is? That's chuppah. Isn't that interesting? That it talks about in that day, we'll all be under the chuppah. We'll all be under the marriage canopy with the Lord. That, that will be a message for another day. Okay? Uh, and then in verse 6, and there will be a sukkah. There'll be a chuppah, and there'll be a sukkah. And by the way, they kind of rhyme, and that's on purpose in Hebrew. Okay? There'll be a chuppah, and there'll be a sukkah. There will be a sukkah to give shade from the heat by day and refuge and protection from the storm and the rain. And so there will be protection. There will be a future sukkah for us to find shelter from the storm. The chuppah and the sukkah. Now that's great preaching material if I ever heard anything. Okay. All right. Now, uh, but in uh, for us today, that's the future. Uh, but for us today, in Isaiah chapter uh, 26. And by the way, uh, this was one of uh, our good friend Leroy White's favorite verses also. In Isaiah chapter 26, in verse 3, it says, The steadfast of mind thou will keep in perfect peace, because he trusts in you. Okay? Now, why? how can we be in perfect peace? By trusting in the Lord, by trusting in the Lord. Uh, our, our, our bodies, our communities, our culture is all like that flimsy structure, all like the sukkah, right? But we can have peace because we're focused on the Lord. But in Hebrew, it is really uh, kind of interesting. It says, Yetzer Samuch. Okay, Yetzer Samuch. What that means is that the person who is intent on leaning on God, that will keep in perfect peace. Okay, uh, the person who is leaning on God, and that's literally the picture is, I'm really desirous of leaning on God. You know, and you know, sometimes... Uh, uh, I will show our, our kids oftentimes in the office about what does it mean to lean on the Lord. And what I'll do is I'll lean, I, I can't do it here in, in view of everybody, uh, but I'll lean uh, against like the door. And I'll, I'll put, first I'll stand right with my back standing straight up leaning at the, and then I'll move my feet out a little bit. And then I move my feet out a little more. And I'll move my feet out a little more and I say, you know, I'm trusting that this door is going to hold me up because if it should go, call 911, you know, uh, I'll be in pretty bad shape. Uh, and so that's like leaning on the Lord is that we put our weight on him. We put our weight on him, the weight of our anxiety, the weight of our word. You know, when we say the weight that's on my shoulders, right? 
the heavy weight on bearing to give it. That's what it means to give it to God, to, that he will bear the weight. And that's how we have peace. You see, because all of life is fragile, but he is not fragile. He's the rock. He is not fragile. Everything in our life is fragile, but not, but not him. Remember, and on Rosh Hashanah, we talked about Psalm 90, and the beginning of the psalm compares the eternity of God to the temporariness of humanity. It's kind of the same thing, that God is forever, we are not, and our world is not. And so we need to put our weight on what lasts forever, and that is indeed the Lord. And so uh, all of this lends itself to really rejoicing that God is ever-present with us, uh, that we can lean on him, that we have a secure destiny and future, uh, that we can taste today of the fruit, uh, you know, of, uh, of our salvation. Uh, and, uh, uh, and I pray that uh, we have come through this season of... Uh, repentance and reconciliation so that now we can really indeed rejoice uh, in the Lord. And may we take the initiative indeed to do that so that when we meet again in person, it'll be because it's the fruit of how we have grown in the depth of our walk with God during these days, so to speak, living in a sukkah day in and day out but leaning on the Lord. And that is what we do indeed on Sukkot. And uh, clearly Yeshua is, uh, he is our Sukkah, right? You know, he is our, uh, our shelter, not our, it's not our physical shelter. It's not our physical body. All of that is flimsy, but not Yeshua. He is indeed the eternal shelter uh, from uh, the, uh, the storm. You know, uh, in fact, uh, he came to dwell among us. He came to be our sukkah. And we'll talk more about that indeed tomorrow morning. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, as we come now to shake the lulav and etrog, Lord, we are so thankful, God, that you are ever present with us. We thank you, Lord, that you were present in the Garden of Eden. We thank you, Lord, that you were present with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thank you, Lord, uh, that you assured your presence with us via the cloud and the tabernacle and then the temple, always the presence of God. Thank you that today Yeshua is indeed the temple and we dwell in him. We dwell in him, our shelter. We dwell in him, our eternal sukkah, even with uh, all of the tenuous uh, lives that we have, our bodies, our culture, our world. But thank you that we have the solid rock in Messiah Yeshua in, in whom we live. And now as we give thanks with the fruit of the land, our lulavs and etrogs, uh, we thank you and we pray in Messiah's name.